And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Beautifully done. And what a powerful song about our wonderful, wonderful Savior. We have a great God today. Amen. And uh, that should cause us to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and all that you've done in my heart and life. I want to show you a picture here of a man who really needed help to gather himself. I've seen pictures like this in different places. I saw one man who was homeless on the street and someone helped him and uh, just cleaned him up good and basically peeled back layers of life experience and uh, helped him to rediscover himself and uh, see himself uh, anew. And I think about that. Uh, oftentimes, we go through life, life happens, layer upon layer, and we need someone to help us peel those layers back and see who we really are and what we really need. And that's the beauty of God's Word. God's Word is a mirror. It reflects to us. It shows us where we are, and it really gets to the heart of what's going on in our lives. I think about our text this morning, the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, a man with a heart for God, calling Judah back to God. Yet they would not humble themselves and acknowledge where they really were. They would harden their hearts instead and then he would have to watch them sadly go into Babylonian captivity. I wonder what God is doing to show you where you are and what you need so that you can humble yourself and turn to him and trust him for his mercy. I wonder how God is working in each of our lives today to just show us, hey, this is where you really are, and this is how I can help you. With that in mind, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. I want you to stand with me, and we're going to read one verse here. Jeremiah chapter 17. We think about this, Jeremiah is giving us a picture here of what it is to trust in the Lord and His heart instead of our own. Now that's where life's victory is going to be won or lost, whose heart you choose to follow. The heart you choose to follow today will determine the future you experience tomorrow. Let's read verse 7 aloud. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Let's read it again. Blessed is a man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Thank you. you may be seated. I want you to write some things down, if you will, because God wants us to see our heart as He sees it and then see His heart. Trust in the heart of the Lord, number one, because your heart and my heart is untrustworthy. 
The Bible says in verse 9 here, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. The word heart in verse 9 is the center of our being, the seat of our intellect, emotions, and will. The Bible says it is deceitful above all things. The word deceitful meaning crooked, polluted. The thought of even swelling up, proud. The Bible says it is desperately wicked, feeble, frail, incurably sin sick. That's your heart and mind. So much so, who can know it? Who can discern, comprehend, perceive our own hearts? How can you really build a foundation of your life, your future, your eternity upon something that is so uncertain, unsure, unstable, undependable, un? trustworthy. Oh, I think about this and I think about how God wants to teach us today and how God wants to bring us to the end of our trusting our own heart and trusting His instead. Turn with me back to Proverbs. I want you to see this. A familiar passage will come right back, so hold your place here. Proverbs chapter 3. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3 with me. This is familiar because God exhorts us here and teaches us the wisdom of trusting in the Lord and His heart. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall what? Direct thy paths. God is saying to you and me here that the heart is sick. Wearsby said, only the great physician can diagnose its problems and bring necessary healing. Think of Jeremiah 17, 9. The next time you say, well, if I know my own heart, you may be surprised what God sees there. Lean not to thine own understanding. Don't say, well, this is how I feel about it. This is what I think about it. This is how I see it. If I know my own heart, my heart is sincere, and that's all that matters is that my heart means well. Oh, be careful. Because God's Word diagnoses your heart and mine. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible teaches the Total depravity of man. Man's heart is irredeemable in and of itself. It cannot save itself. It cannot cleanse itself. It must be cleansed by God and the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ and it must be made new. Our hearts changed, made anew from within. That's what God wants us to see and understand. Your heart and mine, it's untrustworthy. We can't altogether count on it. This room has people in it today that are trusting God's heart, looking to His heart through His Word, 
and has people who are saying, well, I mean, I kind of got an idea of who I am, where I'm going, and what I want, and what I need. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to fix this. You know, I can say as a man, all of my life I've been resourceful. I had to be. I had to work with what I had and do the best with it I could, right? I could always figure it out. I could always fix it. But what happens when you come to a point in life when you can't figure it out and you can't fix it? You're going to get there at some point. All of us is going to get there at some point in life. This is beyond me. I don't know what to do. No wonder God says don't lean to your own understanding. Don't trust in your own heart. Defer to God in his heart and say, God, give me your mind. Give me your heart in the matter. Give me your wisdom and understanding to know where I am and what's going on. Lord, help me to see it for what it really, really is. That's what God wants to teach us today. Turn with me back to Psalm 33. Psalm 33, trust in the heart of the Lord because your heart and mind is untrustworthy. Number two, because God's heart is unchanging. God's heart is unchanging, Psalm 33. God's word you'll find here unfolding in this passage is the final authority in all of human history. It is a fixed point of reference. His word reveals His will which comes from His heart, the Bible says. Notice this, verse 11, Psalm 33, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord, the word of God, standeth forever. The thoughts of His heart to all generations. You say, well, how can I know the heart of God? Through the word of God. The word of God will give you the will of God. What does God want me to do? I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I, I'm in a quandary. I've been brought to a place where I can't figure it out. I can't fix it. I don't know what to do, Lord. Get into the Word of God. Go deeper into the heart of God through His Word by faith and say, God, show me your heart. Give me your mind in this matter that I will know what to do because the Bible says, the counsel of the Lord standeth for how long? How long? Forever. It is un changing. Your heart is happy one day, sad the next. Really, it's happy one moment sometimes, sad the next, right? Our heart varies. It changes. It wavers. At some moments, we are strong in faith. And if you'll read Jeremiah 20, one moment, he was saying, in essence, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's over for me. I'm finished. But yet the word of God was burning in his heart. And so he starts to praise God. The very next verse after praising God, he says, in essence, cursed be the day I was born. It seems all of my life is nothing but an unending saga of labor and sorrow. That's how fickle your heart and mind is. Why would you trust something? Why would you build your future, your tomorrows, on something that is so untrustworthy and unstable? 
God's heart is trustworthy. It is truthful. It is unchanging. Notice verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Verse 6. By the word of the Lord were their heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Notice the Bible says, in verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in all of him. For he spake and it was done. Let there be light and there was light. Think of that. God spoke and the world came into existence. The Bible says he commanded and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen, those who don't know him, those who follow their own mind, their own faults, their own heart, those who lean to their own understanding, who do not recognize, who do not even appreciate the fact that man is fallen, man is sinful. They think that man is somewhere inherently good. You need to find that spark of divinity, goodness within, and simply bring it out somehow. That's not true. And by the way, if you want to see the heart of man on display, look at the world around you. We're more prosperous than we've ever been. Well, if we had more money, if we had a better environment, if we had a better upbringing. I understand all that, but I'll tell you what, like I read the other day where one city gave people more money. They think if they had more money, then everything would be better in their lives. They bypass the, the nature of the heart and the character of man. It was like $10,800 check was given to so many people. And this lady uh, just went out and literally just blew it and told about it, and then that made the headlines. You can work on the circumstances of life, you can improve them all day long, and that has its place. But if we're not careful, we'll spend so much time and effort in simply making the world a better place from which people will leave one day and be separated from God forever in hell. Can you imagine that? See, for, for some people, they're like, oh, wait, I take exception with that. Well, the heart of man's on display. With all the education, with all the money, with all the resources that people have, does it make us more grateful? Does it make us more responsible? Does it make us more trustworthy? If we're not careful, it causes us to think that there's no work, it's all play, there's no responsibility, someone else will pay for me and take care of me. I'm free to be irresponsible and to live for myself and do my own thing. And that comes from the heart of man, which is inherently selfish, self-serving. That's who we are by nature. That's the bad news. The good news is God has a heart for us and loves us so that he loves us too much to leave us that way. He provides a way of forgiveness, a way of escape, a way that our hearts can be not only changed but renewed. And so as I think about this, I think about what the missionary Amy Carmichael said. Blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall enjoy much peace. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, 
If you stay your soul on God, nothing can keep you from the clearness of spirit which is life and peace. In that stillness, you will know what His will is. It's trusting God, trusting His Word, trusting His heart. The Bible says this, notice verse 15. He fashioneth their hearts alike. Man is the same the world over. Our hearts are made in the image of God, the seat of intellect, emotion, and will. We are like our maker, but we have been flawed by the fall of man, by sin. And so as we think about it, God knows the heart is the point. He knows your heart and my heart. He knows where we're at and what we need. And His Word is a mirrored reflection. Let me show you your heart so you can see your need. And trust me for my wisdom. Trust the heart of the Lord because your heart and mind is untrustworthy. God's heart is unchanging. And then turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to find your place here. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. We can trust in the heart of the Lord because our hearts, His heart and our heart are inseparable when they come together by faith in the gospel. Hebrews chapter 4. There are three rests that are given in view here. God's Sabbath rest after creation, Israel's rest of victory in Canaan, and the believer's rest of faith in the Lord today. Israel was delivered from Egypt, but a whole generation failed to enter Canaan and claim their promised inheritance. Why? Notice what the Bible says in verse 1 of Hebrews 4. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Circle those two words there, come short. So close to knowing God, exposed to the truth, given the opportunity to say, Lord, I'm not going to trust in my heart, I'm going to trust in your heart. I'm going to look away from being self-sufficient and, and self-righteous and I'm going to look to you and I'm going to acknowledge you and, and I'm going to receive your word by faith. The Bible says in verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith and them that heard it. Their hearts remain separated from God's heart because they just simply would not trust His heart over their own. Not being mixed with faith. I don't need God. I don't need salvation. I'm fine without this. You know what I, I see here? I see how many people have an opportunity to know the Lord. We have light but light received just begets more light. Light rejected is light lost. We harden our hearts, we harden our minds, and we don't even realize the state we're in. So the Bible says in verse number 7, the last part, harden not your hearts. 
How do you harden your heart? You say, I'm not going to believe God's heart. I'm not going to trust His heart revealed to me in His Word and through the gospel, the very heart of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, that gospel is given to people and it doesn't profit some because they just don't believe that. For whatever reason, I don't see that, I don't need that, I don't concur with that, I think maybe Jesus is one way, but there are many other ways, or I'm just not a religious person at all. So many different lines of thought and sentiment of heart that would cause someone to say, hey, that's not for me. But when you think about this, the Bible talks about we which have believed in verse number 3. We understand that the Word of God in verse 12 is quick. That means living, alive, life-giving, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, God's Word discerns the sentiment of our heart, and it goes to the very depth of who we are and shows us our need, shows us where we are and the way forward, how God has a heart to help us. Even you say, how do I know God has a heart to help me? Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, make it known, fly the flag of faith, and trusting God and in his heart. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly with great confidence and expectation unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Obtain means to take hold of. Take hold of the mercy of God. Find grace to help in time of need. Now think about this. I was talking to one of my children recently and this statement was made and I said, that's a great statement. If as Christians you can go before God with confidence and know that there, whatever you've got going on in your life, you will find grace to help. You will obtain mercy in your time of need, shouldn't that be everyone else's expectation when they look to us or talk to us or come to us in our church? They're looking for mercy and grace to help in their time of need. Why did they come to start with? And wouldn't it be a shame if instead all they found was judgment? and coldness, and condemnation. I said, that is a great thought, and a great truth. And it is, is it not? That's why we go before God, right? I don't pray because it's like, boy, I need some judgment in my life. (laughs) Boy, I need somebody just to really come after me. I don't pray for that. I pray for mercy because I already know I deserve that, right? The Word of God has revealed to me, hey, man, you've got something in your life that you need help with. You need healing. You need forgiveness. You need grace for. 
And so come before your God. He invites you. He welcomes you. He wants you to come. Now think about how God works in our lives. The Bible says, if you being evil love your children so much that you give them good things, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Give blessing through the Holy Spirit comes the fullness and the blessing of God's goodness and grace in our lives. That's God's heart for you, open up to you. Why would you not tap into his heart if you trust his heart, if you trust the gospel, the very revelation of the heart of God for fallen man? If you trust him, your heart and God's heart becomes inseparable. There is no separation, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And it also says, there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Our hearts with God's heart, they're inseparable. And I thank God for that, don't you? Because God has a heart for me. He has a heart for my family. He has a heart for this church, for this city, and beyond. That's the heart of God. Don't miss the heart of God. I'll never forget talking to someone one day. The statement was made, wow, I could see how it would, they would easily miss the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter there. Don't miss the heart of God. Allow the Spirit of God to pull back the layers of your life or the challenges you faced and get to your heart and show you His heart through His Word. That's what we need to allow God to do. I read with great joy a testimony that was given where one stated, my brother and I were placed both of us in foster homes at a young age. He was lucky. He went to a family called the Ripley's. I went through four different homes in three years and each one was worse than the next. I'd get to see my brother every few months. Ms. Ripley would take us for lunch at McDonald's and, and that's when she first noticed the scars all over my body. She immediately made arrangements for me to join their family. Back then, the word family didn't mean so much to me, but the Ripley's made me feel welcome and at home. Whenever I did something wrong, Ms. Ripley would sit down and explain why it wasn't okay. But then she'd say, you're not going anywhere because you belong to us now. Shortly after I joined the family, Mr. Ripley was diagnosed with cancer, and later that year he passed away. Ms. Ripley's entire world fell apart. They'd been high school sweethearts, and now she was alone with two foster kids. Nobody would have blamed her for taking us back, but instead she took us to court and made it permanent. The three of us moved into a single-wide trailer in Mississippi, and that's where she raised us. She worked whatever odd job she could find. We never had much, but we went out and about and spent time together played Little League Baseball, and enjoyed Boy Scouts. She must have been super stressed through all of these events, but that's not at all what I remember. I just remember the affirmation that she gave me. It was always, you're smart, or you're handsome, 
And you survived all that stuff because you're strong. She cried when I joined the Marines, but she knew it was my best chance for a college education. And eventually, I did graduate from law school. Last year, I had a daughter of my own, and that really put me into an emotional tailspin because I realized how every little choice I made was going to affect her future. And then I started thinking about how different my life could have been. Because my early development had been the opposite of what a child should be, I should be broken, but I'm not. Because 30 years ago, my mom decided to keep me. And somehow, despite all her sadness and heartbreak, she poured enough love into me so that I could heal. Now, I want to tell you, there is no doubt there is a heart united, inseparable with this mother, mom, who took this boy in. She had a heart to help him in his need. She saw his need. And she provided the love, the acceptance, the affirmation, and the environment where he could thrive. And he did. I want you to see through that. That's a picture of God's heart for you and me. He knows where we're at. He knows what we need. He takes us where we are. And he provides hope and healing. A fresh start. A new beginning. That's why we would be wise and do well to trust his heart over our own. Because the heart of God is steadfast and sure. You can count on it. It doesn't change or waver or vary or say, you know what? I've had enough of you. <laughs> I'm out of here. As I heard Dr. Sexton say in that message yesterday, he said, after my parents parted, my dad came by one day and asked my mother, can I take him with me for a little while? He took me up into the mountains of North Carolina. And we sat there on the side of the road. My dad looked over to me and he said, son, I want you to learn from my life. And I want you to purpose to not repeat the same mistakes that I've made. He said, that made such an impression upon me as a 12-year-old boy. I took that to heart. I remember when I was 12 years old being told, all right, you're on your own. I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to care for you. You're going to have to care for yourself. I've been working public work since I was 12. Because after I was told that, I was left alone but it had a profound effect upon my heart because what that did to me when I saw that I didn't have someone else's heart, it put me on a journey searching for a heart that I could trust and that I knew would never leave me. As a young boy, I said, there's got to be a better way to live than this. And I learned firsthand, there is when I saw clearly the heart of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, I thought, that's it. That's what I want. I want to know God and follow him and do his will for my life, knowing that his heart 
will never change toward me. He'll never give up on me. He'll never walk out on me. He will always be there. And many of us can say this, when others have walked out of our lives, that's when we recognize and realize the Lord had walked in. Isn't that wonderful? And it may be by choice, it may be by providence, some circumstance, that others are no longer a part of our lives for whatever reason. But I'll tell you what, others may come and go. Our hearts may waver. But God wavers not. And he stands fast with your heart. You have the heart of God if you know Christ as Savior. Trust his heart. How can I trust it without knowing it? You can know it through his word. Get in God's word. Say, Lord, I'm going to trust your heart over my own. I'm going to lean to your understanding of what you say instead of my feelings and my emotions that fluctuate and vary and change and sometimes contradict themselves. Isn't that right? Lord, I'm going to trust your heart instead. I promise you, you'll be glad because God has a heart for you. Now I think about a difference someone made in some young boys' lives because they had a heart for them. Oh, if we could see the heart of God for us. Even when we struggle, we wouldn't turn aside and say, well, I quit. I'm just going to give up. God doesn't care. I don't even know where he's at. I mean, I, I don't know. I probably messed up so much anyway. You cannot mess up too much to turn God's heart against you if you're one of his children. Isn't that wonderful? He said, even if our own hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Isn't that wonderful? I thank God that his heart is true even when mine is not. That he is faithful to me even when I'm not faithful to him. His heart does not change toward me even when mine wavers and varies and struggles at times and says, Lord, where are you? What's going on? Why have you allowed this? Well, I want to come down on the side of, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust his heart through what he says to me in his word. And I'm just going to walk by faith in the light of what God says. And all of God's people said, let's stand with our heads bowed.